0: What is going on, everybody? This is Trey Wynn, and welcome into a brand-new episode of Welcome to Valhalla. Uh, This is a presentation of Chat 10 Sports, where we're talking all things Tennessee Volunteers for these episodes in this podcast. But I am joined by Chase Green and Michael Piper here. We'll be breaking down the weekend the balls had in Tuscaloosa. Uh, First off, 9 p.m. kickoff, light show, cigar party, terrible referees, uh, and a terrible uh, <laughs> broadcast crew from ESPN. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff happened, but we'll, we'll break it down in full. Uh, but this weekend, the Bulls get ready for the South Carolina Gamecocks for a 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time kickoff. Uh, really good defensive team coming in, so the balls have their work cut out for them on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but today, Wednesday's when we record, um, but obviously some big recruiting news for both football programs and, and basketball as well. So we'll talk about those in full. But in case you are new to us, check us out at chat10sports.com. Find all of our social media feeds, our podcast feeds, and our articles that we write. Uh, we hope you enjoy those. But for all those listening, we say go Big Orange, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, Brodies. What? Uh, who's paying the referees in, in Tuscaloosa nowadays? Do you uh, have any idea?
1: Straight from Nick Saban's paycheck. <laughs> it's a part of the
0: state-funded uh, payroll at the University of Alabama.
1: One thousand percent.
0: Yeah, I uh, I was actually I'm trying to think of where I was watching the game because I might have been just at home by myself, but it was one of those things that um, oh, to be honest, I know when when Tua went out, it's, it's one of those things where you know your first reaction is, "Man, we're you know obviously I didn't think none of us thought we were going to beat him, but we came out." Like we all wanted him. Like we talked about last week. But my thing was, we made we made Bama look human once Tua was out. Yep. And I, you know, I was talking to somebody today. um, Just as far as I think, right now, I think are we favored in the Carolina game this weekend? Uh, have you I'm looking? not sure. I haven't looked. I have not okay.
1: seen the spread yet. Let
0: me check. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting it pulled up. I think it's close, but I don't know. um Exactly, but somebody was saying, "What's you know?" My buddy was saying, "What's up? All the hype as far as we better beat South Carolina this weekend." And I was like, "Man, we we kind of even with the referees' calls and
1: no, we even we're, with we're four and a half point dogs."
0: Okay, but even with the the referees' calls and you know, obviously Tua and both Mal are going out. We we played pretty well. I mean, for obviously the score doesn't tell that, but there was a very distinct, uh, at least in my recollection. You know, effort and especially with Mac Jones, I think the backup is, his name is for Bama. He, he very much looked human. Right. And pretty, pretty big step down from Bama, which makes you wonder what the future looks like for Alabama. But obviously, this is a Tennessee podcast. But give me all's thoughts on the game. Um, just what stuck out, you know, what was good, bad, and ugly as far as the, uh, the third Saturday in October.
1: Well, Mike, you mind
2: if I hop in first, bro? Go for it, man.
1: All right. Well, number one, Tim Jordan. So I think we all thought after the first couple games that he was like a clear number three for us. Uh, You know, Eric Gray showed flashes of quickness and like elite athleticism that we just really didn't have and haven't had really since Kamara on a few plays, even though we didn't use him correctly. Uh, Anyways, but uh, I thought, you know, Tim was really going to fade out and he just didn't have a whole lot of vision. And off. I've said this multiple times, but he just keeps getting better. And it all started, once again, running hard at the end when we're getting blasted by Georgia towards the end of the game. That's mm-hmm. what kind of kept him in line. And he did it again this week and really, really showed. Like, he's just – he runs harder. He's getting way better. Like, even on the first cut when he had the, the long, like, 20-yard run, at the beginning of the game, you're like, oh, you know, he saw – county sliver he had a he had some space and you know he got free now he's not gonna you know juke and job he's actually probably not gonna break a ton of tackles anyways but he just runs so daggum freaking hard that he's gonna you know have effort plays and give us a
2: lot of life and that was kind of a big thing for me this week mm-hmm. yeah i agree i was i was really impressed um really impressed with tim jordan uh, i was really impressed with the offensive line i think coming out and granted, this isn't maybe an Alabama defense that we're accustomed to seeing. They do have some holes and some gaps. But overall, it's still a top three defense in the SEC. And to see Tim Jordan come in and uh, play the way he did and the, and the offensive line open up the holes that they did, um, I think it's a really big testament to the strides that the offensive line has made under Will Friend. I think a lot of people were critical of him last year a little prematurely. Uh, but you're seeing with you know a, a little over a year or maybe approaching 2 years in the strength uh and conditioning program um and then having a couple years under Wilfred, i really like what our offensive line has been able to do in these last couple games uh against Alabama and Mississippi State so for me that would probably be my biggest um i don't know biggest highlight of the last uh, last week and even the week before that as well uh, but yeah tim jordan running like a man possessed back there that's great to see um so, yeah, I really – I was I was pleasantly surprised by the running game this week. Yeah. right. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I agree as far as, I mean, Will Friend. I know last year was kind of – it seems like it was so long ago to me now, but it's one of those things. Like, it's really – to see where we are today and then even to think where the offensive line was last year. I mean, talk. I know we mentioned it a week or two ago when Pruitt mentioned this team being 100 times better. Uh, I think the offensive line legitimately is a hundred times better because it got so bad last year. Um, I think it's something I'm glad they've kind of stuck the same five guys out there and just let them mesh and let them go. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Trey Smith being out there is a huge, a huge thing. And Wanya, you can kind of see Wong A. Morris and Darnell Wright both maturing as the as the games go on and as weeks go by. But it's it. I think they talked about it one of the ESPN commentators I thought uh Steve Levy Levy if I'm not sure how you pronounce it but he was just terrible man yeah Uh, (laughs) and then Brian Brian Greasy I think he talked about how the two tackles for Tennessee are going to be you know kind of bookends for the next three or four years which is it is really exciting um I did want to mention like I know the I'm trying to play play the game back in my head but obviously Nigel Warriors interception Mm-hmm. Um big shock to see Tua throw it like directly to him. But Nigel Warrior, man, he's not the, the fastest guy in the field. No. Uh <laughs> obviously safeties are not known to be the fastest, but he looked I mean <laughs> he was running in quicksand, man. Yeah. Oh, um, I was I saw I think either Jalen McCullough or uh maybe it was Bryce Thompson that was running alongside of him and I was like, Is he gonna hand it off to somebody
1: else? <laughs> yes, yeah. he's out or of or gas. Here you go.
0: Yeah. I wonder if he's just like I just don't believe this happened. I wasn't ready to have my legs work at this part of the game. Yeah, um, uh, to go 100 yards. But what a, what a shocker uh, for Tua.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's part of it. And I'll, I'll spin off that because once again we forced the interception from pressure, and we made Tua kind of run around and freak out. I mean that's only a second interception this year. Um, great, I, I know he was 11 for 12 and a buck 55 before he went out. But also we got pressure on on him hard on the interception. And then also everybody kind of forgets that he was getting sacked when he got hurt. So that's part of it. I mean, we, right. that, that was another big jump as far as from what we saw it carried over. We, we got pressure. We got pressure against a really good offensive line. And that, that the, just the line of scrimmage for us this week was like this huge game changer. Right. Uh, I mean, I thought, okay, you know, Mississippi state. Yeah. The running quarterback thing, it's Tom, it's, you know, Maybe it'll work. You know, it's really nice to see, but I don't think it's going to be quite as much. But we really did. We got after him multiple times, um, and I know whenever uh, uh, what's uh, Bear Bryant's nephew or grandson. Whenever we got after him too, I mean, it was. I know it's not the same. I know it's not Tua adv- Tagovailoa, but uh, still, man, we we did a really good job on their offensive line last night or on Saturday, and I was like, wow, maybe maybe this whatever happened the week of Mississippi state practices has totally changed.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I just wanted to kind of pitch it out there. Obviously I think the big conversation post game with Maurer going out. Well, even before the game, I think we all talked about after Mississippi state, just sit Brian Maurer. I know I was screaming that from, you know, the, the mountaintop, so to speak, as far as just let the guy rest. Mm -hmm. Obviously guarantee is there. Um, but obviously the the what fourth and one or third and one JG goes rogue play sure. that looked oh, to be gosh. a design run play because I think Trey Smith pulled yeah he basically blew up the linebacker the DB that he was on and by the time that he was getting up off the ground uh, the the guy for Alabama that recovered the ball was ten or fifteen yards on the field yeah um, but just to ask you guys straight up what happens to Jared Gantano now. I mean, because I, I know Pruitt kind of played, you know, the, the cover the kid card. Where after the game, he talked about how there was a miscommunication, but there's been, I mean, aerial shots, like bird bird's eye view shots of the offensive line on a specific dive. Uh, I think, I think uh, Crouch was back there to, to hand it off and, and carry it in, but right. he had, I mean, he had a whole uh, – It was basically a walk in touchdown. But what happens
2: to Garantano now? Mm. It's a tough call, you know, because I think you have, you really have some serious pros and cons to weigh. The pro of playing Garantano is I do think he probably gives you a better chance of winning than JT Shrout does just because the level of familiarity that he has. I know that's mm-hmm. not a sure thing because he's been playing pretty terribly this year. Um, but I, I do think that he is probably gives you a better chance to win the South Carolina game. And I do think that the South Carolina game could set the pace and the trajectory for the rest of the season. Um, but you also have that he totally ruined your chance at upsetting the number one team in the country. And while I still think it was a long shot, even if we do hand off the ball there to, to Crouch, I think he probably scores because it looked like it was really a perfectly designed play. Yeah. Uh, but but even then, your chances of upsetting the number one team in the nation, probably it, it probably doesn't pan out one way or another, regardless of what happens on that one play on that drive um now if you know if we gotten a few co- different calls along the way then maybe it's a different ball game um but all that to say i think it's it's really <clears> hard <throat> to know i would hate to be in Pruitt's shoes because i really wouldn't want to play the kid after he goes rogue and ignores what the coach is telling you to do but you also really need to win the south carolina game if you want to have a chance at having a, a good rest of the season yeah. yeah
1: um i think that's another part of it was uh, we talked about it a little bit last night on the revolution network pod and Nick made a good point of there is always the option on the goal line for a quarterback. If he sees a lane to go in and make the call himself on a QB snake, that's kind of been one of those things at at every level. It's always been given an option. And for those, whatever, I know it's still high school, but Nick did play quarterback in high school. So he kind of understands the, the ifs and buts about it. So, um, that's always an option, but, and some people are, you know, really bashing the kid, like we're, you know, it's the hero mentality. And I do think it's partially that. I think it was one of those, Hey, I saw Maurer do this earlier in the game. It looked really, really easy to do because he got in so he got in so quickly and over the top. I'm going to try the same thing, but, uh, he made really, really (laughs) poor decision. And I think a little bit of it was let's get back in the favor of people because obviously he's probably one of the most hated people or balls ever. And it's just at a terrible time. It's all context. So I don't know. I just don't think you can play him. And I think you just kind of have to almost protect the kid because I can't imagine what kind of confidence he has, you know, (laughs) that like you are getting DM, would you're getting like mentioned on Twitter. And people are just ridiculing you because we do have some rough fans, man. And they love it. And I just – I don't know. Do you guys think that he went completely rogue, like just heroism, or do you think he just tried to make a call based off what he saw earlier?
0: Well, see, I'm I'm kind of on that side of the fence with it because I, I thought myself, I was like, is this the worst – is he going to be the most infamous, like despised guy in Tennessee football history Um and like, like we've said, my expectations were not to win that game. I'm surprised Bama only scored 35 on us. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things after the game, I'm just like, who else in history in uh, of this program um, has done something consecutively? I mean, he's had just this year alone. I mean, he's dug himself – deep into some holes with, you know, BYU game. There were four or five different routes that guys ran that were wide open. He didn't hit. And then this game – and, I mean, there's other things that have happened, but I'm just thinking I, – I, I was – part of me was expecting a transfer this week at some point to come out and say hey, – and I'm 100% serious. I know that's – somebody else asked me that, and I was like, I would not be shocked. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in here right now, I know the conversation is let JT Shrout be the second string guy because um, even the whole like after the fact of it, JG's walking off and Pruitt grabs his face mask and people were reacting to that like what, some guy out of Nashville, news anchor guy that was getting retweeted saying that, J, uh, that Pruitt was basically mentally unstable for the way that he grabbed. That was the craziest. <laughs> <Garantana's> <laughs> mentally
1: unstable. Oh and I, and I'm, I'm
0: quoting. I'm not oh, yeah, exaggerating. That's what, That's what he said. He, yeah, I saw it. That's yeah, what I he said. But it was one of those things. Like, obviously, we we grew up in a different time, and, and 2019 is like the crux of, of of a lot of change in a lot of areas. And I'm just sitting here thinking, man, I'm surprised Pruitt didn't swing on the guy. You know, tongue in cheek, I say that. But it's one of those things. Like that play would have changed the outcome of that game because obviously that was what a, a 14 point swing. Right. Um. As far as what the Tennessee Vols had lined up, and again, that hole for Kravar's Crouch was wide open, so he would have probably gone in untouched. Right. Um. I'm 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 in that boat. I'm not DMing the guy. I'm not I'm not tweeting at him. But it's just like, all right, this is where he just kind of fade off into the sunset.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also, on that, I, I think everybody calls it like this face mask, mask grab. I literally think he pulled with one finger. Like there was literally no way he could hurt him. Right. I I mean, most of it was probably as me and my friends discussed, it probably just moved his helmet and it really didn't move his neck or move his face. And we've all been in those kind of conversations with a coach or with a parent where you're walking off and he's mad because uh, Pruitt said, uh, what the curse word were you doing? Right, (laughs) And so I think it's one of those where JG thought he was – he knows he made a wrong decision. He's mad at himself, and he really didn't want to hear it at that time. He's walking off, and they're both walking off. And I I do feel like he probably gave the old, I don't want to hear this sigh. Uh, Let's just uh, walk – I'm going to walk – kind of half walk away and not pay attention. But I think it was an attention, like, listen to me. I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah. And I think so many people took that out of context because I think if if you're not listening to your coach and he tells you to pay attention, it's just like we see it all the time. Coaches grab by the horse collar, you know. It, why is this such a big deal? And I think if, if we were good, if he was Nick Saban, like nobody cares.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Cares. Well, Jimbo Fisher, I mean, there's been four or five different photos of guys, coaches, I mean, f- grabbing – I know Jimbo Fisher had one where he f- straight up grabbed a guy's face mask and kind of shook him back and forth. Um, yeah. But as far as what J- your, uh, Jeremy Pruitt said, he said, who told you to run the blanking uh, sneak? Yeah. And, and that was – you know, you could tell that from his words because uh, obviously, again, after the game he says, you know, we had miscommunication, but it's like, Jeremy, <laughs> we all knew before the game ended. What was called, but uh, but Mike, what 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 do you think, man? What's what's going to happen and what needs to happen with Jared Garantano? Man,
2: if it was me, um, I think I roll with him. I think I give him a chance to redeem himself. I think he made a mistake for sure, Um, and I was I was disappointed to see him make that mistake. And going back to the whole audibling out of it, if you see a lane available, I definitely um, I think there's a consideration for that. My primary issue is if you're thinking that or even seeing it, is there any way to uh, communicate that to Trey, who's playing left guard as you're going into that gap right there between the center and left guard. Mm-hmm. That, for me, was the biggest frustration. It was like, okay, if you do call the quick audible and say you're going to like sneak it, then why still have your best offensive lineman pulling mm-hmm. and going out and blocking on the perimeter? And so I think that, for me, was the, the primary frustration with the boneheaded mistake. But I think, you know, in this situation, you gotta you got to do what's best for the team rather than try to punish a player who made a boneheaded mistake. And I think what's best for the team moving forward is to ride with Garantano, give him a chance to redeem himself, probably call a conservative game. But South Carolina doesn't score a lot of points. So I think, you know, if you go out there and, and you hang 24 on him, I think you've got a pretty good shot at, at winning. Um, so I think going forward, you roll with him until Maurer's healthy again. Um, I'm not sure what his timeline is. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's how you have to handle it if, you know, if I'm, if I'm making the call.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know today Pruitt said that uh, he's basically doubtful for South Carolina. Um, to to me, just not to come back at you with anything to to, to debate it. But I'm thinking, um, for one, your your point is saying how does he communicate to Trey Smith? Hey, I'm I've got my lane. I'm going to go. I, you know, most programs or most football teams in general are going to have if they're going to set it up for that in the huddle. Hey, we're going to run this this you know pull play. ISO, whatever you want to call it, played for Cuavars Crouch to get it and run it in. But if I see this, I'm going to call you know Omaha, uh, as Peyton Manning would say, you know, yeah, and and, and audible out of that one of. The, but it, he looked like it was up under center and he just went. You know, there was no, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, body language or motion that would that would convey anything differently. But right. It's just one of those things, man. I'm again. I'm. I understand where you're coming from as far as having him, you know, kind of try to redeem himself. But it's to me like I think it's almost malpractice for them to give him the reins. And this is just my opinion because I know a lot of people feel the way that you do, and same on my end. I know a lot of people feel the way I do as well. But um, if if he is the best guy, you know, as far as giving us an opportunity to win a game, obviously we're getting into the stretch of Tennessee's schedule now, where it's all right. These are our not, not, not obviously not soft games, but games that we have a legitimate chance at winning. Um, if I'm Tennessee, if I'm the football team, I'm very happy with what I did on the field. And like we talked about offensive line, defensive line. Um, but like we mentioned, moving into South Carolina, they've had two solid weeks. Um, mm-hmm. as far as just what they've been put on the field, uh, if I'm Carolina and I'm, I'm going into Tennessee at Neyland, it's a four o'clock kickoff uh, Eastern time game. Um, Win over Georgia, you know they they lost by what a you know eleven against Florida. Yeah. So, and I, I think there were a couple couple questionable calls in that game uh, if if I'm
2: remembering
1: that correctly. Is, that is that is very true because yeah. I know that was another part of it was these refs were out to keep the SEC the way it is. You know, it was definitely the conspiracy theorist firing away last last Saturday. Yeah. And I think well, those I,
2: claims, I think those but, claims are legitimate. You know, I yeah. think. Based on what we saw, I don't think there's any reason to not at least make those kind of questions or claims. Yeah, but what are you what, saying, Trey?
0: Well, no, I'm just thinking after you know Daryl Taylor, like, and even in the NFL as well. I mean, it's it is noticeably bad officiating, um, and there were a few tweets I sent out during the Tennessee game of of SEC officiating and just saying like the Daryl Taylor roughing or unnecessary roughness call um they showed it from the you know the kind of the sky cam angle and they did one from the sideline that you could see I mean if you're pushing yourself up to, to get off of a guy you're gonna put hands on him and, and maybe shift his body weight he almost looked like he flopped onto his belly a little bit you know it, <laughs> not, not to sell it but I just don't understand what it's getting to I don't know what Greg Sankey and the SEC is going to do about it because I, I think There are those claims, and I wonder – I guess their response to it will kind of make it or break it and legitimize it or not, but it's just uh, you never know what you're going to get every single week. But
1: um, Yeah. Uh, Can I have an unpopular opinion on the the Darrell Taylor one? For sure. All right. So the only fault that I have against him is the context of the game. Um, We were – I don't know where we were down at when we were – there it was a one possession game at that it was point. one possession game and we just forced the three that and was out.
0: Th- yeah that was a third down that's yeah. third down
1: we forced the three and out we actually have our first bout of confidence and that's a little too much and i think that was just one of those the refs are already against us mm-hmm. you can you have 15 different ways you can get off the guy and he pulled the ego move like to show the dominance like And I think they saw that. And that's all that was because I think he could have rolled off of him. He hung on there. And I kind of knew as soon as I said it, I I tweeted out too, I'm like, come on, man, you just can't do that in that situation. And I know I think it's a terrible call, but in context, I knew they were going to do it because it's just an ego move. It's like a dog market is territory. That's all that was. That's just It's one of those that I hate that, but it's just what they saw. And they're going to call it because – everything was going against us right and it's like man you just can't do it at that time right and I know and I know it sucks but dude roll over I know it doesn't look cool but when you get up he gave him a little love tap like that was that was a hey I'm you feel me I'm here and I'm gonna keep coming because you know Darrell did have not good not pressuring quarterbacks and running backs so I was like well you know and you finally got a boost of confidence but Roll off of him. Let's maybe have a chance to tie this game instead. They got the first down. It's like, dang,
2: dude. Yeah, I hear what you're saying for sure. And, um, and I think you know, I, I, when I first watched the replay, I was like, wait, did he like kind of half hump him, which is kind of weird, but like he, he laid on him for a long time. And as he was getting up, it looked kind of weird. I still think it was the wrong call. Um, but I, I definitely hear what you're saying, whereas just don't even give them. Even any excuse to make that call, um, even though I think there were definitely, uh, like I think that late hit on Brian Mauer could have been called, yeah. say roughness before the, uh, I don't know, kind of lingering trash talk kind of get up uh, that Darrell Taylor pulled. But I definitely hear what you're saying. You know, in that scenario, you have to know, okay, we haven't been getting the calls all night. Just get the sack immediately. Get off. I don't think what he did was unnecessary roughness but i i hear what you're saying for certain
0: yeah well i i did want to make clear for everyone listening that the, the bad opinion and the unpopular opinion came from chase green who's on twitter at, yeah. <laughs> at fire green, away baby <laughs> i will i will spout that
1: off at any time i'm I ready I'm, I'm ready no no bring it on baby
0: no i <laughs> i know i know it is a very you know unpopular uh as, as far as divisive you know call um I don't think it would have been that bad had it not been, even like we were saying, I think the, the South Carolina-Florida game was earlier in the afternoon. Well, yeah, I'm remembering now it was a 9 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just wiping my eyes trying to stay awake. But um, I, was, I don't think it, I don't you think it would nap? have been that did bad get, if it was Did y'all wasn't, get a nap in that day? I did. I, I, did, I, thought,
1: I, I thought you said you did, Trad. I, I couldn't remember if it was in our group or what, uh, I, I thought – I thought, man, I, had I was so I was so jealous because I, I thought I had it timed out right and I just couldn't get it in that day and I was like, well, you know, fire up the coffee pot, baby. Here yeah, no, I think I did both. Thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I took a nap and I usually like if I don't take like a three hour nap, if it's less than that, I feel like I just like got hung over and drank ten shots or whatever. Um, but luckily, I woke up, got a nice pot of coffee in, and and uh, mm. and watched the whole thing. I watched even to the point that Todd McShay and. Um, and the the side oh reporter oh,
2: lighting up their cigars what was obviously. that dude that was some oh gosh
0: it it just proves the fact i mean i i get it like bama makes some money i get it but that bama you know the whole light show i thought was did not look great on on the broadcast no. um you know the prime the, the the prime situation that we've been talking about with with Garantano's, uh Sneak when it went to the sideline shot, it looked like they were in like some meth lab cave because they were moving the lights and strobing (laughs) the lights. It's like, and and, and I get it, a lot of guys were saying it looked terrible, but there's no question that Tennessee will have those within two to three years. Oh, for sure, Um, right? Because now it's all about planning into lights and the recruiting aspects of all that stuff. But,
2: right, um,
0: I just hope it's not a common trend for the nine o'clock kickoffs because, yes. I'm getting older. We're all getting older,
2: yeah. and
0: and it was rough. But um, but let's move to South Carolina this weekend. Uh, just speaking specifically, we've seen um, what they can do as far as Chase, like you mentioned. Not, they're not putting up a ton of points, um, but somehow they're getting these good teams down and and, and you know being competitive. Um, losses to to the the Blue Devils, or excuse me, not Blue Devils, but Tar Heels of North Carolina. Yeah, buddy. Um, Bama. We're and – Mizzou <laughs> and of course this last weekend against Florida wins over who is that uh I can't even tell CHSO some FS, FSC team oh, or FCS team tra-
1: Charleston Southern
0: okay and then uh Kentucky and then Georgia what yeah. aspects of this team are y'all concerned about um on both sides of
2: the ball uh I think for me uh you know, Will Muschamp always has a strong defense, and I think this year's no exception. So I'm curious to see what we'll be able to do offensively, particularly if we're playing JT Shrout as our starting quarterback. We're really, you know, Shrout or Garantano. If if Mauer's unable to go, um, we'll really it'll be really really important to be able to establish a running game, and hopefully we can open up holes. But I just I don't know how if we're going to be able to do that if they're loading the box with eight defenders because we can't uh, establish anything through the air. Um, and then they're, they're running back on the other side. Uh, they've got a really strong running game. Uh, the, the guy, I think the main guy is a transfer from Clemson from last year. I think his name's like Tavian Feaster or something. Yeah. You, yeah, Tavian. yeah. So he, you know, he just tore it up against Florida last week with like 150 rushing yards or something to that effect. And so, you know, I think it'll really be who's able to establish the running game because I don't think that we're going to be able to lean on the pass irregardless of who goes, um, unless somehow Mauer's able to come back, which I don't, you know, I don't see it. I don't think that's probably likely to happen. Right. Um, So, yeah, I I think it'll really be kind of one of those classic Tennessee, even though we're not playing Florida, but kind of classic Tennessee Florida matchup where like almost 10 years running, whoever was able to get the more uh, yards on the ground, almost always got the win. And I think that, I think this Saturday will kind of follow that kind of suit and see who's able to, who's able to win.
1: Yeah, but I, I agree with that because I, I, I don't I don't think Zolinsky's just, uh, you know, out of this world. So uh, if it is, gonna be JG versus Zolinsky, then uh, it's definitely gonna be a running back a feature. Um, everybody was kind of riled up because Dowdle was listed as out because I think he got hurt. Maybe the first or second play of the game in the mm-hmm. Florida game, so he's listed as out this week. But thinking about it, was Tavian Feaster had 25 carries for 175 yards last week and it absolutely lit Florida up. So it's one of those where you get the replacement aspect. He's like, you know, it's like David Johnson and Chase Edmonds this week and for Arizona Cardinals, it's like, oh yeah, we got David Johnson out, but then this, <laughs> this, this, this no no name guy comes in and just eats them alive and people, you know, the South Carolina, I was looking at it. They were like, Hey, this guy could really play. We were all kind of waiting for, to see him, especially the transfer in. So it's like, all right, we finally got this guy to have a chance and he balled out. So, um, our, our defense has really got to, our front seven's got to keep playing well. And, you know, we'll actually have a full half of full, full game from toe toe. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, I, I think that they can cause some turnovers. So, you know, it's just limiting bad mistakes and bad plays. That's that's, yeah. that's what you have to worry about. And I hate to keep pounding at JG, but it looks like he probably <laughs> will start. But, man, you got to be smart this week. And uh, just to touch on Maurer's situation, I know the first week it was considered a neck strain. And it's just because it was above the head. or uh, above, The shoulders are above. They have to, like – consider it in concussion protocol so it sounds like a lot of people think that he went to Vanderbilt today because of the neck strain more so than the concussions because you know a concussion is a concussion but they want to see what it's all about with the neck and the head and make sure that it's nothing as far as true damage because I don't think it's so much concussion is more of you know something to do with the the connection mus- muscular or nerve damage kind of thing so
0: Right. I wonder if that uh, two weeks ago, whenever he landed on his head, Mississippi State game, I, I wonder if that kind of led to a stinger or something like that. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure that was not comfortable. But uh, my thing is, oh. and, again, it's almost – I know some people are probably questioning the coaching staff for, for playing him last week, but I get the competitive aspects. I'm sure he wanted to go. If he can go, he's going to go. And, and right now, I mean, somebody we were – Kind of talking on Twitter, going back and forth about it, and just saying, you know, is this? He's I think he's had three weeks that he's played, and all three games he's been taken out. And I think it's just the the youth and, and him being a true freshman player yeah. of trying to do too much, overextending him himself. And um, I think this week's obviously against Bama was was different. But I think uh, I think had the roles been reversed, and Tennessee makes that hit on Tua and he lands on the court, you know, on his uh, offensive lineman's leg and gets a concussion, I think there's definitely a flag. Yeah. Um, and I think Pruitt talked about that after the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm completely fine um, with them sitting him just for the sake of his health. Yeah. But at the same time, I know I'm looking at the the uh, Carolina Gamecocks, just the defensive backs, a guy named Israel uh, Muk- Mukuamu, um has four interceptions this year. He's leading in tackles. They've got four, three or four guys that are uh, four sacks and or or more. Jason Kin Kinlaw, or excuse me, Javon Kinlaw has five sacks right now. So, like you said, uh, Mike, the uh, the defense is going to be coming at them. It'll be fun to watch the offensive line go up against these guys, you know, and just see how they can, you know, can do it. Because uh, I think Carolina's obviously get pretty set on defense, but. Again, you mentioned it, Chase, as far as uh, whoever's starting quarterback is going to have their work cut out for them to to play conservative and play smart and decisive. And and at the same time, we've talked about it consistently, and I'm sure anyone who's a Tennessee fan listening knows, this run offense for the Vols is is our strength. Um, Yeah. In the trenches, I mean, Tim Jordan, the the three-headed monster, between Todd Chandler uh, Tim Jordan and, and, uh, Eric Gray. I mean, you gotta, gotta let these guys go. And maybe that Thursday opens up some throwing lanes, but, uh, also side, note, I know Daniel Batulli getting the targeting call. He'll be out the first half of this week. Um, so he's been kind of the captain for even for the young inside linebackers, uh, there, but, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, on both sides of the ball. But, um, but, Yeah, I know there was um moving on here. There was actually some big news um obviously for the the, the football program, but also yo, yo. Uh, we'll talk about some Tennessee basketball here in a second, but three the Whitehaven boys mm. um yeah it, it, it's it's happening, man. Three different guys. You got Bryson Eason. um let's see Fr- uh, Martavius Frenchy, is that his name? Yeah,
2: French. Martavius French.
0: Yeah, French. Okay, I'm sorry. His his handle's French, yeah. <laughs> and then Tamarion Mac- McDonald all coming, uh all four stars. I don't know you guys might have to speak as far as their positions, but um I'm I'm just happy to see some four star guys, in state guys coming out. Um it's a really good move and a really good uh look for, for Pruitt and the coaching staff. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Chase, I'll let you guys talk about some basketball here with, with a big five star recruit today.
1: Yeah, dude. Uh Jaden Springer is the prototypical nowadays combo guard um probably the highest rated guy we've had since uh I think he actually now he is because Scotty I think Scotty Hobson was like number nine so I think he's gonna be our highest rated guy at number four prospect so it is huge news for the fact after there was a little there's a little doubt in you know, old Ricky Barnes. After the whole UCLA controversy, even though you can't blame the guy. If any of you bofos complain about (laughs) wanting to go out, if if they would have paid your taxes to go out, if that was the biggest deal was like the tax exchange part of it, I I feel like the buyout. Mm -hmm. If they would have paid you to go live in California and coach at UCLA, everybody listening to this would have done it. Right situation. I, I I love love East Tennessee. It's probably where I'm gonna make my home for most of my life. But gun, dude, you get a chance like that and get paid absolute bank, you probably would have done it. But the good Lord willing kept him here, <laughs> and he got his third five star. I mean, my goodness, dude, this guy's coming out, and we're gonna we moved up to number four, didn't we today? Yep. Yeah, yeah, Rams. yeah. With a
2: bunch of blue bloods, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Carolina Duke. <laughs> well, it's
0: funny because uh, I know a couple of tweets out here today says that you know five star Keon johnson and Corey walker for next year's class (laughs) and then people are throwing out gifts of or jibs depending on how you how you say it just duffel bags full of cash you know (laughs) that that we're somehow paying players but yeah uh, i mean my thought just to kind (laughs) of give my (laughs) just to give my two cents like obviously last year with admiral with grant like you you lose some some huge guys as far as leadership and just obviously play but it doesn't seem like that uh, that gap in between classes is going to be too long because, um, I mean, it, it's it's exciting this year. Obviously, there is going to be some expect expectations that have uh, changed. Yeah, but it'll be a lot of fun. I wish they I wish they were coming through this year. It'd be a lot of fun to see them here and now. But uh, but yeah, it's exciting for sure on, on both sides. Football and basketball.
2: Our times come. Mm. Yeah, and to go back, circle back real quick to just the recruiting news, man. Jeremy Pruitt is making moves on these in-state guys. Like, I was going back, and we legitimately have a shot at landing six out of the top seven recruits in the state this year, which is absolutely incredible and a testament, I think, to to what he's doing. Um, And I think if we're able to really build a border around Memphis and around the state, I mean, the in-state talent's only getting better and better, and the the Whitehaven trio, you're going to see them – try to recruit other memphis guys like chris morris and omari thomas and all these other guys so i think um man i you know that can't be overstated how important that is um for for jeremy pruitt moving forward and and really making inroads in memphis which has been a hotbed that we really haven't been able to capitalize on and i i mean for really the last five ten years outside of guys like trey smith and the occasional blue chip guy that we're able to pull every now and then so Um, Not to change gears, but man, I'm really fired up um, to to see us making big time moves in Memphis because I think that that could pay massive dividends uh, for the program moving forward.
0: Yeah, I I agree, especially right now for their, you know, how the year started. I mean, that's that's a pretty big swing. Obviously, the last couple weeks have been pretty good showings, and then getting the win over Mississippi State. And how valuable are those SEC wins? And I'm hoping we get a few more, but yeah. um, I mean, it's, it's going to be – and, of course, you know, Meyer. their whole staff is just – it's – you're starting to see it on the field, I feel like, but also just the recruiting end of it. I mean, this is obviously one of the best teams, I believe, in the country, and it's just a matter of time until, again, we've talked about the hole they've had to dig themselves out of after Butch Jones and John Curry. But, I mean, I, I'm optimistic not just for basketball, but, I mean, I'm optimistic for football because, like you said, I mean, they have their plan. Um I, to be honest i'm i'm surprised and I'm, I'm sure this is a lot of people out there but i'm surprised we haven't had some type of you know not harrison Bailey decommitting <laughs> but just tweets or whatever would come out just to just to give a sign of uh you know maybe a, a potential change of mind but
2: right yeah. um
0: we have not seen that and i'm thinking i'm sure after these games this whole coaching staff just firing off calls and texts and hey you know rough day but we you know this obviously is why we want you here or hey yeah. had a great win and we can't wait to do it with you you know and right. um it, it, i'm 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 optimistic i'm not i'm no, I'm no longer cautiously optimistic i'm optimistic <laughs> yeah. uh for, for for pruitt and the boys
1: i think i think the atmosphere sells it you know we we mm-hmm. talked about <clears throat> a couple of, i think it was like barstool tennessee or whatever posting about the atmosphere that was the georgia game early on and it was like you know they're bad right now. Imagine what it's gonna be like when they're good. I think that's a little. That's probably a part of the sales pitch of, whenever these recruits come in right now. It's hey, you know, we're gonna get better, but look how good they are now. Imagine if we were, you know, undefeated going into Florida. You know, oh, that's, yeah. you know what that's gonna be like as a as a player. I mean, I. I Myself, I would probably puke because I'm walking out, run or running through the team You know, like, I'm just yeah. like, I just turn into like an instant gif. You know, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> the puke, the puker. You know, whenever yeah. something's going wrong, like whenever you're like having a really bad day, I'm like just gonna a, a gif out of the guy that's puking on the running through the power tee. But um, no, no, it, it's it's awesome to see that we have really came into Memphis and kind of made our mark in that in that market. Yeah. And, and i hate to put it that way but that's what it is man because you know you get a couple of these guys and it's just words throughout town and these big town recruits see each other and hang out with each other go to the same camps and do all these play days and stuff like that together so they know each other now especially through social media and it's kind of probably weird to relate to people especially nowadays with social and these kids have like a followers and they're 17 <laughs> years old it's right like, hey who else can relate to me oh yeah the other five star that's at whitehaven right know? so <laughs> it's like these guys kind of stick together um it's kind of the same way in basketball we're going to get a couple of these and start to make our mark and take away from penny and those evil boys over there oh, in memphis man.
2: <laughs> so the trying to hype we, it up man
1: we are baby i want to stir that pot this is going to be and it's going to be a really good game this year. They're going to have to a bunch of young talent. We've got some older guys and some, some holes to fill, and they think they're very confident. And um, I just think that finally making our mark and getting these guys in just uh, really makes me happy, especially in yeah. basketball, because I, I've always been a fan of Rick. I think he just kind of handled, handled himself so well. He seems like a guy everybody would want to play for. So and I, and I get why. I don't think he should have ever said that in the radio interview, but – he did, whatever, it's over now. Um, and he's obviously just a fantastic recruiter, has been his entire career. I mean, the guy has countless NBA players and maybe what is the best NBA player in the league right now, Kevin Durant. So, hey, the guy's doing it.
0: Not a bad not a bad conversation starter.
1: Hey, I'm the guy that coached KD at Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you know that um, guy? Yeah.
0: No, I I did want to wrap back around to what you said as far as, you know, for for Vols recruits for football, Um, but but to rebuild the program and to be a part of that has, has got to be a big selling point because I know there's probably, you know, guys at our age that when we were, you know, in college and looking back on that and guys like Al Wilson and, you know, Albert Hainsworth and John Henderson. I mean, Peyton Manning, obviously, there's so many other guys that we looked up to, but just for the East Tennessee crowd and beyond of, you know, obviously not just. You'll never have to buy a drink at a bar in Tennessee, but it's one of those things just to be renowned. You'll always have a place on the sideline. You'll always be a part of the VFL family. Like, mm-hmm. but just to get it back to where obviously we all want it to be. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't have a time frame as far as well within this many years, but. Um, I, I think those days are coming sooner than later. Obviously, and I'm I'm optimistic, and um, I, I still believe this year. I mean, obviously, this weekend's a big factor, and if we can go bowling, but um, if if we are a five and seven or four and eight team, like you know, it is what it is. Obviously, rough start, but this this stretch in the last few games has been really fun to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. And we all hate more moral wins, but these guys have been. Walking in confident and walking out confident because, because of the the grit and the, the, you know, they don't quit like Pruitt said after the game. Um, it's something to be proud of, I believe. So, yeah. All right. Any other things you want to cover before we wrap this sucker up?
1: Man, uh, just a big, big week in all vols recruiting and all vols, seems like. So, hopefully, we just keep this ball rolling because this is great. I love, I love like having these content days, man. Yeah. And, yeah. We just got, we got three five stars and a four star for 2020, you know, mm. along with Josiah James, who's probably going to, I, he might be a guy that gets drafted one and done. But I mean, there's so much big time talent that's going to be one of those. Ah, you know what? I'll just wait another year and try to be the
2: guy. So, yeah. We'll see, Especially man. with that class coming in, man, I feel like that's a huge incentive to stick around and, and maybe be a part of one of the best teams that Tennessee's seen in a while if those guys live up to the billing and if Josiah James sticks around. Yeah. I mean, you really could be looking at, as far as from a talent standpoint, one of the best teams we've had. I know it will be hard to to surpass the year we just had with Grant Williams and Admiral and all those guys, but it'll be a special team in 2020, for sure, 2020, 2021.
1: It'll look a little kentucky you know, like, we'll have have the the
0: sophomore will be the old guy so I'm excited I am too guys All right,
1: everybody thank you so much
0: for checking us out this is uh, Welcome to Valhalla which is a part of Chat 10 Sports you can find us at chat10sports.com in case you want to find out more about us find all of our social media links our podcast feeds and our articles that we write ourselves and give our opinions there make sure and subscribe to the podcast do us a favor and share with your friends and if you want to be really nice give us a five star rating there but I am Trey Wynn. you can find me on Twitter at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N talk a lot of Vols talk a lot of Titans as well Uh, but Chase where can the folks at home find you on the Twitter man you can
1: find me on the Twitter at MC Green 423 baby and Big Mike Pipe, where can the folks find you
2: They can find me at Big Mike Pike on Twitter. I'll be there day or night. Yeah, you need me. (laughs)
1: Give the people what they want. That's right.
0: You can find him any time of the day, 24-7, like a a waffle house. (laughs) He's he's even open on Christmas. No. All right, folks. Well, thanks a lot. We do want to leave you with some Go Big Orange, and uh, have a great rest of your week. See you,
1: guys.
0: GBO.